<clears throat> Hello and welcome back to a somber post-break and post-Brentford holdcast. As per usual, I'm your host, James Rushton, and here I am not knowing why I bother. Now, coming off the back of that international break, you'd have thought it would be a bit more energised. That would have a lot to discuss, uh, something to look forward to, you know, something to break down. But after a nil-nil game in which Villa registered one shot on target through some uninspiring, tepid play, I don't think there actually is a great deal to discuss today. It's more of the same. Um, Part of the reason why we had a week off is because there wasn't much to discuss. Villa didn't get anything done on the uh, end, at the end of the transfer window, and uh, yeah, there wasn't much. To, there wasn't anything to talk about. And again, we don't have anything to talk about despite having enjoyed or endured more like a whole ninety minutes of Championship football with Aston Villa. Uh, yesterday's match against Brentford finished nil nil. But without uh, a superb performance from Sam Johnston, uh, Villa's goalkeeper on loan from Manchester United, we'd have lost, and we'd have lost by more than one goal. Um, I don't have much of the stats in front of me, in front of me right now, but from being at the game, I can tell you that it was a tepid, dull. It, there's no words to describe it really. It wasn't like the worst performance I've ever seen from Aston Villa. I mean, we can go back to the six 0 from when Liverpool came to visit. Or even matches against Bournemouth and Southampton, we got played off the park against teams which had no right to do so. But again, a Brentford team which sold their best players, you know, hotter to Birmingham, to, to Blues and um, Scott Hogan to us. I'd have thought there'd be a lot more, a lot more that we could do to defeat them. But Dean Smith has a well-drilled Brentford team. And yeah, t- talking of team, um, I'm on my own today. Um, I didn't think it was worth getting anyone on to discuss it because I don't want to talk too much about this Brentford game. It isn't, it isn't something I want to dissect. It's again, it's just after the match, you just hear so much excuses from Bruce. And it's getting a bit too much to be honest. And every podcast is going to be the same from here on out, unless Steve Bruce changes something. And I'm not being negative, and I'm not being a pessimist. I'm, I'd like to think I'm quite optimistic about the Villa. But it comes to a point where you're just seeing the same thing so many times. And I'm just, I don't want to say I'm completely done with it. But there's a lot more things that I'm excited about in my life right now than Aston Villa. And that's sad considering I was shelled out how much for a season ticket. For example, we've I've just uh, watched Milan get battered by four goals to one. And that was a lot more enjoyable. I support Milan maybe as much as I support Villa. And watching uh, Vincenzo Montella's team get battered 4-1 by uh, Simeone and Zeki's Lazio team. That was a lot more enjoyable than watching Villa stumble to a 0-0 draw against Brentford at home. Um, again, in a few minutes, I've got the Cleveland Browns to watch. And that will be something. I mean, the Cleveland Browns are one of the worst sporting organisations in the entire world. And they make moves on a regular basis You know that you can't understand. But they're still more enjoyable to watch than Aston Villa. Because you can, you know, indulge in the culture of all of it and speak to people about it. You know, with Aston Villa, we've got the the hive mind of just negativity, and it's just sad and crap and annoying. Again, I'll go into a few points of the Brentford match without talking too much about it. But one of the things that stuck out to me most, and I've still got a mental image burning into my head, in the first half, Brentford were playing pinning Villa back into their own half. Brentford's centre back duo were uh, marshalling the halfway, the midway line. And I don't think I've seen that sight outside of those gegging-pressing teams like Liverpool. Certainly not a team doing it to Villa at their own home. Uh, I just saw a team 
with less individual quality, maybe, you know, you've got Rico Henry, Ollie Watkins, you've got players of quality within that Brentford team. But Villa should, it shouldn't even be a question, should it? A Villa team should not be pinned back in their own half by any team, let alone Brentford. You know, you don't play that way at home. And I tried to explain that to uh, my stepmom, who was at the game with me. She came down because my stepbrother um, was off to a rugby match to play. I tried to explain this isn't right. You know, <laughs> this is just, you can see the whole nature of the game pinned out in this little bit. And that was, that was very, very frustrating. But yeah, um, I've decided to do something uh, a bit more of a usual podcast thing where we uh, ask questions. And I, well, I answer questions. I ask you to give me questions. And uh, yeah, I'll go through a, a few of these rather than just simply discuss that crap match because you can't get points. I mean, there's no shots on target to speak of. You can only speak again and again of how good Sam Johnson was and how John Terry turned up for a match. But yeah, it's same old Villa. You just can't. Without any further ado, here's some questions. So first we got George at VillaGeorge on Twitter.com. Is this team capable of promotion with or without Steve Bruce and go? And yeah, it is. This team is on paper the best team in the championship. This team, in fact, I believe could probably at least finish 19th in the, in the premiership, in the championship. Um, it should be up there. It should be the top top team. Um, the question is of the manager. The manager is not... He's not, put, he's not leading. You see so much organiser. I'm oh, sorry about the sniffle. Um, that's another reason why I didn't really want to hold cast today because I just feel really fucking ill from all of this. You know, you, you put a lot into supporting Villa. Um, so Dave did 83 on Twitter. Why do we level so much blame at the manager when the 11 on the pitch aren't performing? And it's because the manager is the glue that binds the team together. You know, the manager isn't the be-all and end-all of everything. But if he can't get the best out of a team and if he can't lead from the front and if he's not blaming himself or, you know, focus on something to fix, he's not doing a very good job. And I don't see anything inspiring from Steve Bruce. No matter what job you're in, you need organisational leadership. You need someone to lead from the front. You know, someone at the top to tell people what to do. It's not like a startup which can have a horizontal structure and everyone chip in. It's a football team. It needs to be well drilled. It needs to be organised. It needs to have, if if not a direct style of play, at least one direct focus. And I don't see that from Villa, and it's very frustrating, especially when you've had someone at the top who you know is a figure of discipline who seems like a figure of strictness of talent. Steve Bruce is that man who should be able to fix all of Villa's problems, but he is not, and he's had too much time. If I'm not sure if any other role where you're in it for a year and you haven't shown any degree of capability at performing the role that you are being paid for, that you're still in it. You know, my job is one where if I mess up my job outside of this, sorry, if if I mess up in that, it affects thousands of people. And I think if I showed any degree of not being able to do that job after being in it, in it for a year, I'd have been sacked or at least, yes, sacked. And uh, Steve Bruce is still here. He, he won't be here for much longer, I'll tell you that right now, if he, if he doesn't fix up. And next we got um, from Graham Eden, who's at Gizico, G-I-Z-I-C-O on Twitter. So Bruce, his team, his way, opinion. The opinion is the same again. It's not good enough. <laughs> the players he's brought in, if we're going to focus on his team, the players he's brought in are not for quality that you'd expect to be better than what we have. 
For example, Ahmed Al Mohammadi. Is he better than Albert Adoma? And that's no. <laughs> it's a it's a damn right no. Adoma was one of the best players in the championship last season, and that's not me saying that. He had the most assists in the championship last season. So for me, as a winger, that says, wow, Albert Adoma is a player you want to keep in the team, and he's not in the team. And again, it's just another point of frustration. I'm sorry for the sniffles again. It's probably horrible down the mic. But yeah, it's Steve Bruce. We have a whole plan. We have Steve Round in charge of creating his filler engine, quote unquote. And if we are creating his version of things whilst trying to force Steve Bruce's version of things with Keith Wynas's version of things, we've got too many cooks at the kitchen. We just need one plan, and we need a manager in in who's going to stick to someone else's plan. The one, you know, that one focus. I don't want Steve Bruce to be buying players. Villa will pay the price for. He won't pay the price for it. He'll get sacked, and yeah, he might not get a better job than the Villa job, but he'll get work in English football. You know, these people like Steve Bruce and, you know, I hate to compare him to Sherwood, but people who are around the English game, they don't disappear from the English game. They get work at TV. They get a lot of work. You know, this isn't him being kicked down to the streets if he's not good enough. So, yeah, he's his team his way. I think it's not working. We need something higher. Go on to another question now. I'm sorry for sounding out of breath. I can't breathe through my nose. At Speak Reason on Twitter, he's got a bit of a philosopher. Okay, it's a voice of reason against corruption in the world. Okay, fair enough. Who will replace Bruce as manager? That's pretty direct, mate. On with you. Um, I don't know. Um, it could be Ato Karanka, um, who has a few attitude issues, but you know he got Middlesbrough backfiring again, got him to the Premier League, and he couldn't do it in the Premier League. He couldn't do you know the job he wanted to do, but. He's a, he's a name that will float around. For me, the manager I would choose would be Dean Smith. He's an Aston Villa fan. He's just he's played Villa off the park with a you know a ravaged Brentford side. He can get the best out of Scott Hogan. For me, he's a clear option. He's not a big name. There's no weight of expectancy on his shoulders. He's not jaded. Certainly to step up from Brentford and yeah, give him a go. Why not? Um, as for other managers, we a lot of people seem to have the opinion that we. Won't be able to find a good manager. We just have to have the pick of the free agents. But I think there's plenty of talent within English clubs right now. You know, you know, you got Heckingbottom at Barnsley. You've got at least two managers there that you know, three sorry, that can take the job on. And I wouldn't be disappointed with any of those. But for me, it'd be Dean Smith. Let's choose another. Declan O'Donoghue at Decamoto on Twitter. What should be our favourite formation for the players? And um. Yeah, formation for me isn't a problem. It's uh, formation is just simply something that multiplies the or enhances the talent of what you have available to you. You know, if you don't have much talent, you're gonna use a formation that you know, works with that. If you've got a lot of talent, you're gonna use a formation that works with that. And for me, formation isn't the question. Um, it's just more so the discipline of the team. There seems to be no leadership or anything coming from them. So no matter what formation is played, whether it's a three-five-two, a four-four-two. Or a four three two one or either version of that. It won't work unless Villa have some kind of moulding or drilling in that formation. If they're trained in that formation, if they're masters of that formation, and they won't be masters of any formation if they're being switched around. So unfortunately, Declan, I can't really answer that too well because I don't think formation is the be all and end all, and I don't think it matters. And that's not dissing your question, you know. But it's more so that no formation. There's no 
formation that will just save it or work as a magic fix or a bit of duct tape. I mean, it's not going to just happen like that. Got another one. Justin Browning says, what's going on? And what is going on? If you're asking me what's going on, I can't wait to just stop this. and um, Well, not stop this, but stop going through the motions. Because, you know, you go to Villa Park, you wake up every Saturday, wake up, head out to Villa Park, see the same match again. And sometimes you'll see an outlier, like the Norwich match, and it'll be fun. But then you think you start to think about these winning results. They're just, you know, we regress to the mean after a bit. So what's the point? What's the, what's the point of enjoying a win if you're expecting a defeat or a, a, a draw? Because that's what Villa are. This Steve Bruce Villa has no identity. But what's going on for me? I can't wait to watch the NFL today. So, yeah, that's back and it's something to take my mind off things. But, yeah, the Browns will probably be just as shit as Villa. So, yeah. Chris Smith, the 86 kid on Twitter. He's got two greedy, greedy boy. Which of our loan players are likely to be on the team next year? I tell you what, Chris, if we aren't promoted, it'd be neither. Um, we've got two loan players in the team right now, haven't we? We have got, correct me if I'm wrong, three, sorry. Yeah, I thought that was one more. We've got Snodgrass, Onoma, and Johnston. And I think if we if we don't go up, I think we could, I think Snodgrass might be on the team because uh, Johnston and Onoma are clear talents. I think uh, a team in the Premier League would take a shot on them. And Tottenham and you know Spurs do. Uh, they are fond of Onoma, so I don't see him leaving them if Villa stay down. I don't see Johnston staying at Villa if they stay down either. But for Snodgrass, um, he's got. I think his loan deal has a. It's either, I think it might be a mandatory, I don't know if it's optional or mandatory, but a clause in that which would allow Villa to buy in January. That's fine by me. He's seen, you know, it's a bit of a glimpse of her, some real quality, actually, against Brentford, which was one of the spout highlights of the match, where he turned uh, Brentford inside out. And yeah, I like that. I like seeing that from a uh, right winger. Shame we already have one on the bench. You can do that in a, in a Doma. But yeah, I like Snodgrass as a 10 as well. Something we haven't had seemed to have in a while. Unfortunately, that will restrict a few appearances from Callum O'Hare. But come what may, I mean, if Snodgrass is a guy who can help us get promoted, then yeah, I think Snodgrass is the most likely to stay. Which young player has the brightest future for Villa and in the game in general? Ooh. Villa are really rich in youth talent right now, and that's a real good positive. Which young player has a future, brightest future? I'm inclined to say Keenan Davis because he's a really hard worker. And uh, he seems to have a general, genuine love for the game. I mean, a lot of young players see the game as a job, and that's not me putting thoughts in their heads or just you know stereotyping them. But from a lot of people I know who went into football, they didn't have a love for it. They just, it was just something they were good at. I had a natural talent at, and it was like, I can get paid doing this. So, but I think Davis has a genuine love for the game, and that's something that's nice to see. The same with Andre Green, to be fair. But yeah, I think Davis is a real hard worker and he's worked his way up from nothing. He's went out, you know, he's stretched beyond his uh, ceiling, which scouts guessed for him. And he left Stevenage and joined Biggles Wade. And he's joined us, so yeah. I think Davis is a hard, one of the hardest workers in our academy. I think he could go far. He just needs to get a few goals under him and learn how to shoot a bit, get his feet under him a bit more, I think. And Callum O'Hare as well, I mean, he's worth a mention, but we haven't seen too much from him. I mean, we got a bit hyped when he started playing, but... Yeah, I can't really. Without seeing more of them, you can't really say much, which is a shame. 
So we're on to the final two questions now from Elliot at Classy AVFC. Will we go up in the next two seasons? So this season and the next, I think that is, or is it the one after this or the one after that? But yeah, I'm just going to say it's this one and the next. Um, I think the next is more likely. But even then, every passing season, it drags on into the you know a period of an unlikeliness. If we don't go up this season, I think we've got real problems because we're going to lose our best players and our best players will potentially what will gun us to the Premier League without us having any quality. I mean, this season's not a write-off, you know, not by any circumstances, but we're falling off the pace with every passing game. We need to turn it around and hopefully that happens on Tuesday night against Middlesbrough. It's a game we won't really be previewing because I don't know what to say. Do I want to tell you to expect something? Do I want to tell you that Adama Traore won't destroy Neil Taylor? No, I don't. I don't know what to say. Uh, probably the, not the most professional thing to say, but it's the most realistic, certainly. I don't want to tell you that you know things will happen when they won't. I don't want to tell you to expect anything, anything different when we know nothing different will happen. It's difficult. Um, but yeah, if we keep falling off the pace, we're not going to get promoted, that's for sure. You know, you don't get promoted in, on a cha- in a championship after, you know, a run of spontaneity. You have to have proven results throughout the season. You can't slip off. You cannot slip off. Even if you start bad, it's going to affect your season. You're going to have to have a legendary post-Christmas half of the season if you, you know, slip off. As for next season, again, if you're not promoted this season, you're going to have worries next season because, you you know, you think financial fair play is bad, it's bad this season. It's going to be worse next. It gets harder every year when our parachute payments decline. So, yeah, I see it as a possibility, but it's... It's a light at the end of the tunnel, and you can see a little glimpse of it if you close your eyes. I don't think it's really there for Villa right now. To get promoted, we'd have to do a lot of hard work. We'd have to turn around instantly, and do you expect this team to turn around against Middlesbrough, one of the better teams in the Championship? Do you expect it to just get better? I don't think football works like that. You know, the writing's on the wall, really, isn't it? As much as I don't want to say that, I want to support Steve Bruce, but it is. you can't look away from it. Just expected a bit more from this. I don't think we all wanted this to turn out this way. And for those of you who are like, oh, well, this is what happens when you hire Steve Bruce, I don't think it is. Again, I just wish I could know what was going on because this this team should be performing so much better. That brings us on to our final question today from NYC Villain. Why are we so fucking wank? <sighs> I have no idea, mate. I wish I could just say... um. We're crap because we don't have Yedanak or Kodja, but that's a big problem in itself. Having Yedanak and Kodja in the team just distracts it, papers over the cracks. You know, we get goals, and then what happens if he gets injured or breaks his ankle again? And what if he's not fully recovered? Then you've got issues. We've just got no identity at all. And you can't even say, oh, it's not the players don't want it, because they, you know, come off it. We've got quality, we're just not directed at all. It's a film without a director. I'm not sure what the problem is at Aston Villa because it seems to have been the same problem for years and years and years. There's just no inspiration in the team. There's no creativity up front. There's no sturdiness at the back except for last year. There seems to be a multitude of problems and the manager can't solve them. And I think someone as experienced in the game as Steve Bruce might have something to say about it. But again, it's the same old things. We weren't good enough. We weren't prepared. This happened. That happens. Just You've heard it so many times. You've heard it in a French accent from Remy Gard. You've heard it from Tin Sherwood disguise, you've heard it from Eric Black, you've heard it from McLeish, Houlet, McDonald, you've heard it from every single person, even Paul Lambert, every single person who's been been in charge of Aston Villa has the same things to say, and all it can be wrapped up 
into is Paul Lambert's We'll Go Again. I thought we were excellent. We'll go again. I thought we were excellent. It would seem like that Villa engine needs a bit of an MOT. Again, thank you very much for listening today. It's probably been a bit harder than usual because I've been sniffly and moaning and negative. But yeah, that's what Villa does too, unfortunately. Especially, you know, when you're settled in on a Sunday. Yeah, thank you once more. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, wherever you listen to good podcasts, wherever hosts good podcasts. And yeah, hopefully this will be a better podcast next week. When we have a guest on, as per usual, we'll revert to the usual format. I'll hopefully have a bit more Q&As on my own in the future, but I won't be so sniffly. Again, thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you later. Up the villa. <laughs>